we settle for having C players on our team? Why do we keep people on our team for so long that are basically just C players? They show up, they do an okay job, you know? Um, so I would say the goal is not to retain all employees. It's you want to keep the good ones and anybody that's a C player or they're not grabbing onto your vision. I really feel like you're wasting so much opportunity and time is of the essence. You want the best players on the team at all time. We're trying to win championships. And yes, this is Grow with the Bros, hosted by Ryan and Ken Parsons, founders of the Brothers That Just Do Gutters. Welcome to another episode of Bro Brainstorm. We've made every mistake in the book so you don't have to. Our time to evolve as business owners is now. Let's grow together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bro Brainstorm. I'm Ryan Parsons, joined here with my brother, Ken Parsons, and we are the co-founders of the Brothers That Just Do Gutters. So throughout our business journey, we recognize that there's nothing as valuable in a business as the people you have working with you. And today we're going to talk about the best steps to keep those people satisfied and working to their fullest potential. What's up, big brother? What's up, little brother? So we're going to start off on finding valuable employees. I think this is one of those topics, no matter where you go, what business you're in, everyone says it's really hard to find people. So I think we're just going to talk about a little bit about how and where we find them and, and, and dive in. So Good to me. All right. So what steps does the brothers take to ensure they're finding the right talent for the job openings that we have? Well, I think uh, the first step is, is to have clearly defined job descriptions when you're posting online to attract those types of people out there. Um, and, and not only that, you, you know, what we find typically is, you know, monetarily, you're going to be attracting people in the beginning. Uh, but when they come into your company and start going through the interview process and they see the values and the culture uh, and they get exposed a little bit to that, then, you know, that's um, also another way to find out if that's the right person. You know, yeah. you, you can tell in an interview process a lot of times if somebody's a good fit for you, but you also can see if it's a good fit for them by how they react. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So yeah, the job description's huge. Like at, at least, so I would I would say this comes with a little bit of warning too. I, I think we used to have very loose, if any, job description and it worked actually kind of well for us. We'd hire people, we'd tell them the vision and uh, we'd start working and you know what we hired them for could completely change within you know, three to six months. Then we started really focusing on, on very detailed job descriptions. And I think it also kind of backfired where now it was such a, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. Um, that anytime like somebody was asked to do something extra, they were almost like, well, that's not in my job description. Um, you know, do I get more money for that? And we never had that necessarily a problem. But it was really interesting. So we're, there's kind of a fine line between a job description and a job vision. And we really kind of started to go towards these job visions in the sense of your role is to help the company get to the next level. And, and, the, um, and when you're in this role, like let's say it's a marketing position, you're going to help us get the brothers seen more often. We're going to be doing podcasts that are going to be attracting people that's going to impact their businesses, whatever it is, more of a vision so that it makes sense. It's not just here, this is what you do and type on the computer. This is you hanging a gutter. What's the vision and how does your part in the company, what's the bigger picture? I feel like that's been a lot more successful than just having a rigid to-do list, which is important. People need to know what's expected of them. So, and, and I love what you said, Ken. Uh, when you're interviewing people, sometimes, you know, they just want to know they can make 40 hours and what's their pay. And uh, and then you can tell them, like, you can be anything here and we're growing. And it started as my brother and Ken hired me as an apprentice gutter installer. And now I'm the vice president. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Can I get 40 hours or not? And other people light up. 
Well, and I think that's because a lot of people have been burned out there when it comes to uh, over-promising and under-delivering with people that they've worked for in their past. So people just like us as business owners become jaded over time because of certain people that come and go over the years. Mm -hmm. I think employees become jaded too, because there's a lot of people that they've worked for in their past that have uh, sold them a line of whatever yeah. uh, or vision uh, of what they're going to do. And then it never happens. Um, yeah. And for somebody to, I, I really feel that people have to be tracked monetarily first, unless, you know, you've created a brand where people have heard of you and know you and, and have, uh, have other word of mouth uh, referrals, testimonials, whatever, to go along with that as a best place to work. But, you know, for people who are starting out, maybe even on a smaller scale or small level, you know, you're going to have to earn that trust over time. And the way that you attract them into your business is to be able to, you know, flash the, the dollars at them to get them in eventually, and then prove to them that, you know, you're going to do what you, what you say you're going to do in that job description. And then whatever vision that you're casting for them of what you want to accomplish in, in the company as well. Um, they're going to start believing that as time goes by. Yeah. So having the job description, clear vision, um, let's say we can get people to the table, right? We can get them to show up to the interview. This is a, that's a completely different uh, topic and podcast. But I, I love um, the book that you read years ago and had me read, and it talks about the foundational qualities. And I think this is huge for anybody who wants to, um, we might not always attract the right people to an interview, but we do get to decide who makes it across and gets offered a job. And Ken, I'd love for you to talk about those three foundational qualities that we look through for in anybody. This doesn't matter if we're hiring them as the CEO of the company or somebody to sweep the parking lot. It, it, it's the same foundational qualities. Okay, so I the, one of the first ones that we look for is hunger. You know, somebody that has a hunger, when you're taking them through the interviewing process, and, and this is a good advice for somebody who is interviewing for a job, uh, be relentless and, and hungry about that. You know, continue following up after, you know, the... the there, throughout the whole interview process, especially if it's something, a job that you really want, uh, showing that person that you're hungry that and be relentless about it. Call them and say, hey, is the job opening ready? Thanks so much for the opportunity to interview with your company. I know that I could be a real asset um, uh, to the company. I could, I, I'm a team player, you know, all those things, um, you know, and I'm not just throwing out word tracks so you can get a job you need to obviously fulfill those things when you do get the position. But those are super important things that somebody has a hunger and passion about, about it. And when, when you're interviewing somebody, you can see that in their, their eyes. If, if their eyes are lighting up, and this is some body language um, tips, if their eyes are lighting up and they're you know hanging on every word that you're saying because, and you can see that you're genuinely interested and, and hungry for the job, that's a really great starting point. Um, the other part is uh, being teachable or honable, um, whatever you wanna call it, somebody has to have that quality. Sometimes it's hard to um, see that translate in an interview process. That's usually something that you're gonna, as you get to know a person or somebody starts coming into the company, you can see that quality start to, um, uh, manifests itself as they uh, spending more time in in uh, in the company, uh, but that is super important quality that we're looking for in a person, and that might be something that I, as an employer, would ask uh, somebody's references. You know, was this person teachable? Uh, uh, give me an example of a situation where they were. Yeah. Uh, so, in, in interviewing and uh, hiring. Uh, and it really has a lot to do with asking some of these questions. And then also, is the person a person of character? Are they an honorable person in the way that they conduct themselves? Uh, and that's the kind of person that you, and kind of people 
that you want. And it's super necessary, especially if you're trying to grow a business. Yeah. You want people of character to be in these positions that you're going to be hiring um, so that the, it's going to propel the uh, business forward. But also, you know, people that have these three qualities of being hungry, honorable, honorable, uh, the other people on your team, if they see somebody like that, that is coming into the culture and creating problems because they're not have those three qualities, um, they're going to uh, weed them out. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. So that's great. So the three H's, hungry, honorable, honorable. Um, they want, you want them to display hunger inside and outside the job. Like, are these people that are learning on their own? Did they go out and they, when they're talking about their story, if they put themselves through college and they're doing this on the weekend and, uh, you know, they've got multiple jobs, you know, cause they're hungry, they want more. You got to look for it. How are they hungry? Because hungry people are your fastest learners. The people that are hungry are going to learn the fastest. All right. And honable. And, um, so teachable and honorable, um, that, you know, I the way I like to think about honorable is do they do the right thing when no one's around? Are they going to be the person that when no one's looking does the right thing? So the three H's awesome. So those are the foundational qualities to get through the door. All right. So everyone you're interviewing skill or not, those are the people that you want to let through. They have the biggest chance of being successful in your company and avoiding that turnover. So the next part we want to talk about was um, some of our valued employees that have been with us for a long time and how we went about finding them. And it was crazy. As I started to write the list, I put myself on it because um, Ken found me. The craziest thing is that the majority of our longstanding employees were directly recruited by either Ken or a coworker who was already here. Um, and then there's some from some traditional methods, but I just want, um, again, I want Ken to talk about, he's an unbelievable recruiter. Ken will mention somebody, hey, remember uh, so-and-so from the picnic two years ago? Yeah, I think we should hire them for sales. I'm like, wait, who again? He literally keeps a Rolodex and when he meets people, he, he, he pictures them on his team. He's unbelievable at building a team. And what's funny is our, our biggest key players were basically recruited in that method. So Ken, I, I, I kind of want you to kind of just go a little bit about your mindset there. I mean, you recruited and suckered me into this. It's been 20 years. I'm still here, you know, and then we've got Job and Karen and Kevin and Gabby and Danny and Mario, the list goes on. So unpack that a little bit of your mentality of, of attracting and finding talent. Well, it started a long, long time ago, uh, probably on the playground when we were little kids or in the backyard playing wiffle ball or dodgeball or any of these games that you play as kids. And, you know, you, I would always get picked to be the captain on one side of the team. And, you know, I learned from early on from the time I was a kid, you know, how to what what a team looks like and how to pick the right people so that because it's all about winning. And nobody wants to be on a team that's a loser. Uh, so, you know, and that's that's how it's always been for me, uh, even through high school and all the way through college, all the way up until now being in business. You know, I'm always looking at, you know, and I always played, I was always attracted to, to games and things where you would have to put certain pieces of whatever puzzle or game that you're talking about or playing or doing to, to win, you know, and it's, it's, it's almost like, um, you know, it's like Stratego, right? You ever play that game, Stratego? You no, know, but we, I remember Risk, my gosh. Risk is another one, uh, but you know, those kinds of games, you're, you're using a lot of strategy of how to, to, to put the best, uh, you know, f forces on the, uh, on the battleground, so to speak. And, and that's how I always looked at it is, you know, who do I want on my team? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and it started with you, you know, when, you know, when we started, I, you know, it wasn't, it was very loose. It wasn't, you know, like we're going to be partners and we're going to conquer the world here of gutters or anything like that. It was yeah. just, Hey, you need a job, come work for me. Maybe we'll have some fun and, 
whatever, and you can save enough money to buy Jessica a diamond ring and get married and all that. That's right. That was the goal. So then I was out. (laughs) And then you were out, Um, but you stayed. Um, Another one was Jimmy O'Lang. I recruited him or he recruited me. I don't know. He he recruited who, Um, but you know, he's now a franchise owner and I met him 20 something years ago on a missions trip in Kenya. So tell me one, um, I'd like for you just, you know, of all the people, like un- unpack Danny a little bit. That one's like, I think it's really impressive for anybody who's listening. The people that you recruit are not always the ones that are um, applying when you have a job opening. And sometimes it, I would say almost always with the ones that really, really work out, it's a little bit longer uh, tail of a, of a process. Yeah, I- I just always am looking at people that I have relationships with or that I come into contact with. And it could be just coming into contact with a waiter, you know. That what, about, has, what about Danny? Tell us about Danny. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, but Danny's different. Uh, Danny was my son's bass teacher. And we would go to his house every week for a bass lesson. And, you know, I would sit there and watch and listen. And then we'd always chat before and afterwards for a little bit and over a course of a year we got to know each other a little bit and I'm just my wheels are always turning you know and I was just like man I want this guy on my team there's just something about him um he's just got just great personality where he's just you know he has this go-getterness about him that's just but quiet go-getterness it's not like in your face it's like you know, it's like, he's the guy that will figure things out, you know, his bait. And he had a lot of the same struggles. And I got to know that I had like, you know, I was told that I would never be successful in this business early on. And just like he was told when he started playing the bass that, you know, you don't have big enough hands to play the bass, you know, you'll never be good at the bass. And now he's, he's freaking phenomenal. You know, and, you know, he just figured things out. Whenever there was adversity in his life, I got to know that, you know what, me and him are a lot alike. You know, he's faced adversities, I faced adversities, and he's overcome them and pretty much said, you know, hey, people out there, you know, I'm going to be successful and I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. He also has just, just way, like the way he would just handle the whole teaching process and Mm -hmm. the way that he was with Hunter. And I could just say, see that he had a genuine um, caring quality uh, and people skills. And, um, and, and plus the fact I knew that he was in a job that wasn't really, uh, it it wasn't fulfilling him monetarily, but it it wasn't also fulfilling him in a way that it was uh, going in the direction where he would like to see it go because of, of the, the ownership and everything that was involved mm-hmm. in that. So I knew I had an opportunity maybe to attract somebody like this into our business. And I basically, a year later, we had an op- uh, opening uh, for sales and I was, this is our guy. And um, the rest is history. Yeah, he, he came reluctantly. He actually had a little bit of a slow start and he figured it out though. And, and he didn't even want to interview because we're a freaking gutter company. You know, like he's like, well, how am I going to support my family? Are there enough gutters? You know, there's a podcast we did probably a year ago that you could go listen to with Danny's of, story. And, I, and that's the other thing too. I mean, a lot of people I think that come out of career or, 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 and we're interviewing people, there's a lot of head trash that they have that you have to prove to them that, hey, this is definitely bigger than you know, you think, you know, just give it a shot. And I know there's other people that we've had to walk through that as well. But, you know, once he came on board, he started figuring things out and he started getting acclimated to the position. The rest is history from there. I mean, he went on to be a very successful salesperson for us. Uh, And just to be clear, he wasn't doing sales in his current, in his previous role. Ken saw something in him, got him to come out to the interview. He ends up doing sales, becoming successful. Then he becomes the sales manager. And then just in, in late last year, he became the general manager of the New York location. So he literally, from something Ken saw in the way he was with his son and base and just a bit about him, 
Ken put it all together and he thought, I need this guy. And I don't think Ken at that moment said he's going to be the GM someday. Um, but he knew he needed to be on our team and he knew we could do something to help him improve his life, his lifestyle. And, uh, and, the, and, and Danny made his own path too when he was here. We'll talk about that a little bit. So we have, we've got at least five, six, seven of those stories um, that we're not going to take the time to tell all of them. But um, so besides that, then we have our key people like the Dannys, the Jobs, and they attracted somebody they knew. So for instance, Gabby, she was friends with Job. He had her work here and she's phenomenal and she's moved all the way up. So we've got, um, but just, just for the sense of today's topic, You've got to always be looking because they're not they're not necessarily the ones that are applying through Indeed or Craigslist. They're the people that you know and have relationships with that 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 could be your next long term rock star employee. Yes. And to add to that, too, is what you were just touching on right there is that when you start getting people like that in your business and that have those qualities, uh, like all well, those people that we just discussed, and there's many more uh, that are part of the company, it starts attracting more people because guess what? Those people know people like them. And when people know people that are like them, they're, and, they, and they have a great place to work and positions open and things open up. Uh, and, and, and that's the beauty of scaling the business is that once you get that part of the wheel going, it, it self-perpetuates itself. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and that's what really makes it cool is when you start seeing leaders that are not just taking the lead, but are starting to develop other leaders within the organization, then that's really super rewarding uh, to see that. Especially when it has, a lot of it has nothing to do with me personally, of being there. Danny is developing people that are developing people and I don't have anything to do with it. Danny has created that opportunity for himself. Yes. Did I give him the opportunity by introducing this to him? Yes. But as far as the heavy lifting and being a hungry, honorable and honorable person, he's made it happen. A hundred. Yep. That's great. So, I mean, the key takeaway right from there is treat the people you already have really well. And when everyone else is complaining about their job and they're telling them how much they love it and the opportunity, they're going to go, wait, what? And they're going to want to work there. So that's a big, big key there. Treat the ones you already have. So let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about the retention side. And before we talk about retention, I really kind of wanted to talk about not retaining all employees. Uh, a lot of people don't want to lose people. And uh, if you heard the George Apap uh podcast that was an awesome one one of one of my favorites in recent time um he talked about like why why do we settle for having c players on our team why do we keep people on our team for so long that are basically just c players they show up they do an okay job you know um so i would say the goal is not to retain all employees it's you want to keep the good ones and anybody that's a C player or they're not grabbing onto your vision, I really feel like you're wasting so much opportunity and time is of the essence. You want the best players on the team at all time. We're trying to win championships. And yes, there's rebuilding years and there's all this other stuff. And if they've got the foundational qualities, we want to invest in them. But really keep the good ones and invite the others to be successful somewhere else. Because people that aren't, your, your key player or passionate, they're obviously in the wrong role or they're in the wrong job. Help them get out and go find something that lights them up. And there's somebody else that's going to hop in that spot that this is what they've always wanted. And that's our job as employers. We want to retain them. We got to make sure we're putting the right people in our company and we'll retain them. If we're not putting the right people in our company, they're either going to leave or, or we're going to have them leave. Yeah, and to all those people that are employed out there, if 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 going to work feels like work, and then it's probably not the right fit for you. You know, when you go to work and it's something that doesn't feel like it's work, then you know you're probably pretty close to or or right on spot with what you're meant to be doing with your life. And yeah. 
you know, life uh, goes by quick and not to be passionate and happy and doing something that, you know, whether it's working with your hands or your mind or both, if you're not passionate about it and hungry about it, um, you know, it's, it's not just hurting yourself, but it's hurting the, the company or the people that are passionate about what it is that they're yep. doing. And, you know, when you think about that, they have livelihoods and, and, and responsibilities and people that are depending on them for that business or company or, or, or whatever to be successful. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, I think sometimes um, uh, looking at things through um, the <laughs> through a real realistic approach and really be able to be self-aware. Uh, and I think a lot of people aren't out there, but that has to do with, I think, uh, you know, moral integrity issues. Uh, but, you know, it, you know you, you're not doing anybody a favor, especially yourself when you're just collecting a paycheck. I agree. So that, that brings up the thing is like, when do you know to let somebody go? All had teachers like that, right? In high school. Man, uh. I hate this class. This class sucks. Why I got to learn all this stuff. But most of the time, it probably really comes down to is that that teacher probably was just there collecting a paycheck. And that's what most of the students felt about that person. But yeah. the teachers that stood out the most, and when I look back, were the ones that were super passionate about what they're doing. They made it fun. They made it interesting. They were genuinely interested in uh, the kids in their classroom and, and even outside of what was the classroom, you know, they were interested in what you were doing or accomplishing outside with your life. Uh, sure. Those were the ones. And, and that's, I mean, that's the same thing. That's with great. So let's real quick. Uh, how do you know when to let someone go? I'll say the, the easiest is when they can't do the basics of their job. The people that can't show up on time, they're not completing their work. They have a bad attitude you know, the, 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 the signs that are really obvious, right? So all of us know them. However, some of us put up with them, you know, especially anybody in the trades, when you've got a guy that, yeah, when he's at work, he's good. However, he bangs out on Mondays a lot. You know, he's not great with clients, but I got no one else right now. A lot of us keep people that can't even do the basics of their job because we think we need them. But let me just say, those are the easy ones to get rid of. People with a bad attitude that, you know, you can know. But I'll say most of the time, it's harder to identify the ones that you should let go. And that comes down to the C player. So the, I've identified a few things. Like if they lack passion, I feel like you should maybe start interviewing because they're never going to get that passion. If they don't have passion in the beginning, then they're never going to really gain it. So you want them to have passion and creativity. I want to see creativity. I want to see enthusiasm and all that. If people have questionable morals, you overhear them telling a white lie, you know? Oh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on my way right now. Meanwhile, they're not on their way anywhere. That's the kind of stuff. That's that honorable. Um, they never do more than they're asked. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. I don't like when people just punch a clock. It frustrates me. And I don't expect people to work for free, but I do think people need to do more than that they're asked. And that could be just going above and beyond for the task that you're asked. That could be just taking out the garbage in your office or cleaning up the kitchen area, like just little things that are above and beyond. Um, Ken, you got a few that you wanna add? Yeah, I mean, for example, in our business, it's the crew that gets back at two and then they just go home. And, or it's the crew that gets back uh, or is not back yet at two, but is done finishing the day's work, but calls into the office and says, hey, boss, we're freaking kicked it in the pants today. Our RPH was through the roof. I got a couple AWOs. We were thinking about heading back, but I just wanted to make sure, is there any clients or anybody that callbacks, anything like that, that needs some attention or needs like right now service. We have a couple hours before the end of the day is out. Uh, that's the kind of employee that goes above and beyond. Yep. And, uh, you know, and they're getting paid for that, you know? So, um, 
you know, yeah. that's it. You're, you, you're wanting to people that are taking ownership and leadership uh, in, 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 and having forethought. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's the kind of people that, that make more. Those are the people that's that it. get rewarded. You know, the people that are just uh, clock punchers are, are just going to get paid to be a clock puncher. Uh, you know, there's nothing that stands out about those people in my mind as an employer that deserves any more than what they're getting paid for. Um, so, and, and, and if you're not a huge corporation, which, you know, I, I think most of the people that might be attracted or to this podcast, we're not, we don't have depth. We don't have a hundred people in a department that we need, you know, 80 of them to just do their job. Um, it's very vital to the, to the success of our organizations and the growth to have people that want more for themselves, because if they want more for themselves, they're going to do more so that they can get more. So that's, these are the hard ones. These are people that are doing their job, but they might lack enthusiasm. They might not be taking it to the next level. They're there at, you know, 8.59 and they clock out at 4.59, you know, and that's it. Again, I can't, I can't say that we have to get rid of people that only treat it as a job, but man, oh man, I'm looking for people that want more. All right. And they got to live the company's core values, appreciation, leadership. We have core values in our companies and that you want to make sure that they're living them. If they're not make room for someone else. Right. But also having clear definitions and defining what it is that you expect in those core values like excellence somebody who is like the example i just gave earlier yeah. about the guy who's calling and saying he's kicked it in the face uh and wants more work for that day um you know that's that's excellence uh that's appreciation he appreciates the job obviously and what the company's doing for him and that's one way to be proactive in being able to help the company to continue to be more productive with the rest of the day. Uh, um, and, and, and maybe they didn't hit the goal the day before and, and, and he felt bad about it and he wanted to just make up for it. I don't know, but it's, it's always giving more value than you receive in cash. It's always paid off for me. Yep. And, uh, and I, I, that's the kind of people that I want because those are the kinds of people too that I want to do more for, you know? Yeah. That's what stands in my mind as, as an employer is that person, that person always goes above and beyond that yep. person, you know, deserves a race or that person needs to get a freaking bonus right now, uh, because they were over their revenue for the month, uh, mm -hmm. and their whatever, but you know, that's, that's it, that, that stuff over time gets noticed and, um, you know, I guess well, let's talk about that. I mean, we, we, you know, so just to kind of wrap up on when to let somebody go or the harder ones, uh, we always believe coaching up before you coach somebody out. You know, sometimes if they're, if they're practicing the right behaviors and they seem to have a lot of what you're looking for, but they might be struggling with areas of the job, you always coach first. You always just hit it right in the head, give them the feedback, say, this is what I see, this is what I'd like to see. And through the coaching, if you don't see the changes, then, you know, it makes it a lot easier. But Ken, you just touched on like, how do we go about rewarding the hard workers, right? How do we, I mean, I love it. The more you give, the more you get. That literally goes with everything. You give it all, like as an employer, the more I give, the more I get. As an employee, the more I give, the more I get. Really just fundamental. We've been hearing that our entire lives. That to me is just, that, that makes it all go round. Right. And there's obviously in certain positions and certain companies, we all have, there's going to be a ceiling that somebody's going to hit out in the field installing. There is going to be a ceiling that somebody's going to hit in sales because there's only so many sales you can do in a day. Um, but there's creative ways that we as employee, employers also can uh, figure out different ways to give back to employees. And it might be simple stuff, you know, just hey, you're doing a great job uh, is a simple one. Or it might be, hey, here's, uh, here's uh, three days, three nights vacation on us for you and your wife to go and you've been working really hard and take some time with your wife and your family or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it could be a gift card. It could be 
any kind of thing. It could be uh, just a straight up bonus because the company had some extra money that month or that quarter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, certain employees, you know, just really did a great job. And um, you can, you can do that. You can develop pay for performance Mm -hmm. uh, incentives, uh, which we have uh, on top of what they get paid. Um, You know, because if they hit and achieve things that are just over and beyond the goal of the company, there's, there's self-funded money in there that you can use yeah. uh, to be able to reward that success. So there's tons of monetary things that you can do. And I'd say the number one thing that you can do um, to the people to show them they're valuable is literally tell them. That's the biggest thing that you can do up front. It costs nothing and it goes so far. When you say, man, you killed it today. I appreciate it so much when you call ahead and say, can I get more work, boss? Um, you know what it does is it makes people feel noticed. And then it also has them do the same behavior because they they like the recognition. You know, somebody cleans their office really nice every day and keeps it tidy and you let them know that you appreciate that. It's kind of in the back of their mind that they're going to keep doing that. So I think the best thing that you can do is tell them, um, obviously, monetarily, bringing and then the other thing I think that's really important is when you bring people in. I don't want to call it the inner circle, but you bring them in a bit. You show them the workings of the company, some of the decisions that are being made and how and why, and even get their opinion. That's the kind of things that I really do think help employees feel valuable. And especially if you implement something, always look to give credit. Um, At the end of the day, even if you thought of it, but then they thought of it too on their own, I've had to stop saying, you know, oh, I've been wanting to do that for a really long time. I just say, that's a great idea. We're, I, let's implement that. Um, you know, don't steal it from them. Let them have that. So I, I think the, you know, so those are the things I think to do to make them feel more valuable. Um, and then I think here's one of the biggest mistakes. Let's talk about when it comes to employee turnover, I think the number one, well, if I thought about it longer, I could probably come up with different number ones. But I feel like one of the biggest reasons we lose people is because of the lack of one-on-ones. We have to be doing consistent one-on-ones. And as an owner, if you have 50 employees, you can't do 50 one-on-ones each month, but you're, the manager of that department certainly can meet with their three to five people. And that's what I highly recommend. You should be meeting with your team once a month and giving them some one-to-one time, whether it's feedback, coaching, asking them what it is that they, what's the number one reason why you stay here? What would be the number one reason why you would leave? Those are the things that you find out their passions. You find out what might be burning them out a little bit. You find out what might really light them up and you might be able to make some changes um, to their job description, what they're focusing on. You might be able to put a goal out 90 days, six months out that if they can do X, Y, Z, they can achieve it and be more in their talent. So I think that's really huge to get to know what makes them tick. I also think in our business with uh, the gutter business, we're quick to write off people that don't have like a lot of skill. And we're, we're, so we do the opposite in this business and I've done it for, I did it for years where I would keep somebody that had great skills of, of, being able to do the gutters, but they were just, their behaviors were just uh, horrible. Didn't show yeah. up on time. You know, had that prima donna arrogance about them that you know they could could not be replaced. Um, and what I've come to learn is that you know what I can if I have a good, if I have a great training program, I can teach anybody to hang a gutter. You know, and if somebody has the great right behaviors and has those qualities that we were talking about earlier, those three H's and, but they don't have the really the greatest skills, you know, that's on me. You know, I I need to make time to train that person on how to do those minors, how to replace that fascia board. And, And I'm doing that right now. Right now, I'm actually back in the wheelhouse of starting and brand new brothers gutters company in tyler texas and i'm doing those basics right now training and 
literally, I taught a 17 and an 18 year old how to do a miters and replace mitered uh, fascia boards that were rotten out. They, I showed them exactly how to do it, the whole process, even how to use the chop saw. I mean, it was really ridiculous how like specific I was on teaching them every little thing. And I showed them, I, they knew it, I showed them, they, and then they did it and then we reviewed it. That one fascia rotted corner that they did, they even mired where it comes together at the point. And they mired it, in per they did five more corners without me being there, just overseeing them. And they did them perfectly. And they awesome. them and everything was perfect on those joint, uh, those miters. So, you know, it's just the time to train these guys that have the good attitudes because those are the ones that are going to be, be the, they're going to learn the skill. They're going to be awesome. And, and not only that, you'll have the full package and, and that's what you need. If you're wanting to scale a business, you have to take the time to train them and you got to always go back and work at the bottom of your team mm -hmm. uh, because where a lot of these companies that scale fail is just watch undercover boss. Those CEOs and those people, that, uh, that what they're doing in Undercover Boss, they're going to the bottom of the team to see what the problems are. And it's eye-opening, right? They're yeah. always like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that this was going on in my company or our company or whatever. And that's because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Yep. As a leader of a business and that you're scaling, you're supposed to be serving the people who are under you to success. How do you do that? Through training. I, so if you get good people, good people are going to always leave if you do not have a clear pathway to success. And if you do not work as the leader in your business at the bottom of your team, it's going to, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, that's great. Love that. So we had one of our listeners submit a question and they wanted to know, what are the keys to helping employees avoid feeling burnt out at their job? And you know what? I really like, as soon as I read that, I'm like, you know, if you're feeling burnout at your job, I would say it's 90% your own fault. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I really do believe that it's like, it's your job to keep your job fresh or get a new one. So if you're living in like your passion or something you studied or do and love, I really don't think that burnout should really come. And there's times to feel burnt out, but you know, there's tons of people that would love to have your job. And my job as an employer is to find and keep the ones that want to be here. If I've got someone who's burnt out and they're just punching the clock and they're just treating this like, oh, this, the, you know, I freaking hate Mondays. Oh, you know, another day, another dollar, I guess. I don't want that person because they're going to be burnt out no matter what I pay them. It has nothing to do with that. We're not overworking them. They're just not enjoying what they're doing. So I feel that that burnout question is really up to you. I, I feel that people that are stretching and learning, they shouldn't feel burnt out. Like Ken said earlier, they should be excited. This is exciting. Oh my gosh, I get to learn something new today. Where someone who's burnt out, they don't look at it as I get to learn something new. Oh, they want me to learn something that they don't want to pay me for. That's the difference. There's a complete mental shift. And anytime you can invest in yourself, you're, you're doing something not only for yourself, but for the company. And I'll say it, not all companies see your value, you know? So if you're not, you're not getting appreciated for your value, you still invest in yourself and then go look for another job, learn a new skill in there, make yourself more valuable. Um, yeah. And once you hit that wall of, you know what, there's really nothing else that I could possibly do in my power in my power to change this situation here, that's when you know the writing's on the wall. And, and like Ryan said, you go look for someplace else that that that's may have what yep. you're looking for. And there's been a few times that I was a little burnt out. Ken was a little burnt out. Uh, Gabby, I'm going to, I'll talk about her. So we had an office manager a few years ago and they had a health issue and they, they couldn't work any longer. And Gabby was doing her role and that lady's role for a long time. And we were at a part, whatever, she was overworked. She loved what she did, but my gosh, I'm like, we've got to help her out. How do we hire around her? So yes, there's times that somebody takes on more and they do more. And then Gabby, she's, 
she's so good at everything she does that she doesn't like to give it away. You know, so that was what Ken and I had to, I'm like, Gabby's going to be burnt out if we don't help her give some of this stuff away. And it was a process to get that stuff. And it was crazy to see her give away that stuff again. And then her vision was able to go and expand. And she was able to get out of the mindset of just doing what she did to then get to her next mountain in her career. Uh, so it was really cool. So as an employer, we have to be conscious of sometimes helping people not be burnt out because they might be doing what they like, but they doesn't mean they should be doing what they're doing. Right. So there's two different types of burnout is what I'm hearing you're saying here. There's burnout that is, is because somebody is just being overwhelmed. Their, their behaviors are still good. Their behaviors are still good and in line, but they just have too much on their plate for the capacity for pretty much any human being to handle. So yeah. that means we as owners have to notice that and take notice that we really need to hire another person to take over this from yeah. this person so they can focus on that. And then the, the other type of burnout is when somebody is not having the right behaviors. Yeah. Burnout. And that's when we need to address that. Yeah. And I don't care how good your culture is. We have people literally they think we fake it. You know, if we put up something on social media, like, yeah, what is it really like there? And, you know, I'd say 85 to 90% of the people that are here absolutely love it. They think it's the greatest thing in the world. And there's probably a few people that don't care. They don't think it's great. They're like, whatever. I don't want to hang on up to work and play cornhole. That's stupid. You know, so it, not everyone's going to appreciate what you have, whether you have it or not. Um, so, you know, I think if you want decent work-life balance, that's like the 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 um, the catchphrase these days. That has nothing to do with eight hours at work, eight hours at home, weekends off. That has nothing to do with it. If you're doing something you're passionate about, you might want to stay at work 50, 70 hours a week and 20 hours at home because you love what you do so much. You you feel the most balanced when you're in your passion. So if you get anything from this. If you're, an, if you're employed somewhere, work within your passion. And if you're the person who hires people, make sure they love what they're doing or keep looking. Because somebody out there, Ken and I, from time to time, we, we run into people that absolutely love guttering. Like they just live for it. They love it. I wish I could say every single person does. It's just not as common as you would think. There's people that love their job, but there's just people that just like, they just love, love, love it. So there are people out there. So no matter what role you're hiring for, there's somebody that's going to love it. They're going to love what you have to offer. So keep looking until you can find that person that likes who you are and the company that you're in. Right? So people that don't get burnt out and have decent work-life balances, these are the people that are typically learning and doing their craft outside of work, right? Especially in the creative you know, if you hire somebody that's a photographer, or videographer, or a writer, and they only do their craft at work, and never they're never reading books on how to get better, or blogging, or going to seminars, you got somebody who's going to be burnt out before you know it. Um, I think back to college too. There's there was kids that would only do the assignment. Oh, I got to do this assignment, and then there were kids that literally had side gigs going on. They're in college taking whatever class graphic design and they're doing a side hustle with their craft. Those are the people you want in your business. The people that are doing what they love in and outside of work. All right. So we're winding down here. I, I think one of the biggest things to retaining talent and Ken, you would agree you're, you're the master at this is, is room for advancement, Right. Nobody really wants to take on a job that is a dead end. And people do it. They do it all the time. They take on a job that might never go anywhere. But I think for most people, they want to know that if they do their job really well for six months or a year, whatever the time frame in their head, what's next? Is there anything here for me that can be next? So that's where I can. I really want you to talk about the vision. I think that's something that um, once we kind of got out of the idea of you and me working on a truck and you kind of started to think, you know what, there's got to be more than this. You are unbelievable at casting a vision. And I think that's why you've recruited so many good people is because you cast such a good vision uh, for advancement. 
Yeah, it's, 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 it, you know, that's my strength is, is vision. Uh, I am visionary, uh, according to that uh, book, I think it's rocket fuel. Yeah, rocket fuel. Um, and that's what I've always been able, it's like almost like there's this crystal ball inside my head and I can see the future of, of what's gonna happen. Um, it's been like that for business, even though we've definitely had our failures. Um, but for the most part, um, and I think a lot of the podcasts have em embodied that too. I mean, the last one we just did with Jimmy, he even said, Ken would say all these crazy things and I, we would think he was nuts. Um, <laughs> But for some reason, I think some some people do latch onto it and believe it, and I think it's even easier now uh, because we have uh, 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 what do you call it? The, We've got the goods. There is room for advancement. Yeah, you know, there's you know the fruit is on the tree. Yeah. Uh, but I think I've even uh, been able to hone my skill with that even more so than just about the bigger picture of doing what we're doing with the gutter industry, but also for people individually. Um, and that's one of my favorite parts to do is I feel a lot of franchisees call me and it's not just like an attaboy pat on the back, but I can see like, I can see what the future is going to be if they continue to do what they're doing. I, I, I'm able to cast like my vision of what, you know, and a lot of guys, they get to a point where you know, what do I do now? You know, I've got all these great people working for me and, uh, you know, I'm only working 10, 15 hours a week. And uh, I can I can take that and be able to say, well, have you considered doing something like this, you know, yeah. or, or that? And I'll paint them this picture, right, of what could be. And, um, and then boom, that's the pep in their step that they needed well, to get to the next level. Need get to the next level and and that's it i think that's my gift is that yeah. i help people to see you know what could be what could be the next level paint them a picture play that tape forward and say you know this is what it could be because yeah. you've achieved this you know you you can why don't you go ahead and go and achieve that that's um crazy. and i'm already doing that like with uh, some of our key leaders and and franchisees is painting the next picture of, you know, what is the next big thing? And that's, that's what I'm always thinking about is what is the next big thing? Yeah. Um, I mean, Danny just took over the role as GM for New York and you're already telling him to get ready to be CEO of the franchise. So, you I know, am, I <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm thinking further down the road. Yeah. It's crazy. This, this position right here is preparing him for the next. Agreed. It's like it is for other key people that have everything that we've talked about in here and because we've chosen to create opportunity through uh the philosophy of scaling this business up um we're creating opportunities for people and there's going to be people that are going to pass even you and i oh yeah can't wait to success yeah you know I, i'm already seeing the success that danny's have having since we're talking about Danny in this podcast a lot, we'll keep with that theme. Um, the success that he had in sales, the success that he had as a sales manager, the success that he's already having in this new position as CEO, it's way better than I ever uh, could have done at, mm -hmm. at that job. Yep. Um, but that's my gift. My gift, I think, is that and I, what I'm passionate about and what I found for me and my wheelhouse is being able to stoke that fire within those individuals because I can see what their talent is. I can see what that person uh, is capable of. And I believe that, yes, being general manager of Brothers Gutters Hudson Valley is a stepping stone for Danny to be the CEO of a hundred plus million dollar company, which the Brothers Just Do Gutters is on its way to be and beyond. Um, and he's going to be the head of it. That's I, great. I believe that. So I, I would say vision is huge. And then you need a little bit of substance. Something that we created uh, in 2010 or so was the skills ladder. It showed guys in the field. Here's, you know, once you're an apprentice and you learn this, you can make, you can become this, 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 and this, and you can work your way up the ladder and here are all the pay increases. And I think we've been able to uh, do not something similar in all the departments, but we've gotten really good at saying, here's what you're going to start out making. 
if you want, here's your next $5,000 raise, here's your next $10,000 raise. We want to show people that that's what it looks like to the best of our ability if they can produce and do the things that are necessary. So vision's number one. And then sometimes you just got to write it down a little bit. Otherwise, it can sound like a nothing sandwich, like, you know, which kind of probably is what it sounded like to Jimmy and some of the guys early on. Ken and I could were driving beater cars talking about being a national franchise. It's a little bit of a nothing sandwich to the outside looking in. So you got to put those steps in place, too, so that the vision is coming true to them. All right. So let's conclude here. Um, you know, we want to retain good employees. You have to have vision. You have to have opportunity. Um, treat them well. Give them consistent and direct feedback. Pay them what they're worth. Um, and again, I, I really do hate that too, because you know, if you if you put a dollar amount on anybody, we're all worth you know five million times more than that dollar value. But you know, if the market can bear a position is 40,000 or 50 or 90, whatever it is, and that's kind of, you want to be right within that. And then at the same time, I'll throw all that out the window. I don't mind overpaying people that I like. I have favorites and I'll pay them whatever it takes to keep them. I don't care what it is going for in the market. I don't care that that's a salary cap of 60. I'll pay them 160 if I like them. So I don't care about um, any of that, because if they're giving me um, everything that they have and more, then the value to me is whatever I can afford to continue to pay them and keep them. And I really believe growing so they can grow. Uh, Ken hit it. We hit it a lot in all of our podcasts. But if your vision for your company is to just have one assistant and you can't find a good person to fill that, it, it just might not be enough room to hide, to find that awesome person. You might need to expand your vision to continue to attract and keep good people. And one of the big reasons that drives me to have such big vision too, is because I don't want to lose anybody else to another company that we've trained. And that's become part of our family pretty much that, you know, uh, I don't want to lose that person. I don't want to lose, uh, like you said, we have our favorites and, you know, we've, we've all have grown in this together and creating opportunity for the next step for somebody is uh, been super rewarding uh, to see yeah. that, to see people grow beyond and the stories, uh, the endless amount of stories that we could tell where people started from before they even came here to see what they're doing here. Um, yeah. And, and it, it, whether it's working as an employee, whether it's working in sales, whether it's working as, uh, whether they're a franchise owner and have skin in the game, um, you know, hearing those stories of success is just, that's what it's all about. Yeah, right? that's the biggest reward we get. And oh. uh, that's it. So I think really with uh, employees, they want to be a part of something like that. That's true. Uh, and if it's not growing, that good person uh, even though you're doing all the right things when it comes to paying them, when it comes to being a good uh, uh, business owner, um, there's going to become a point where if you're not creating enough opportunity and growing, they might outgrow that your company. Yeah. And, and, and that's okay. It happens, you know, but, you know, and then you can put somebody else in that position that uh, is going to grow back into it. But yeah, I hate losing good people. We've lost some good people in the past because we weren't able to grow fast enough. Um, but there's always going to be a point. Like you said, but what you need to do, if that's your, if that's your model of how you're going to do business, you need to prepare for it, for it. Agreed. You need to, you need to recruit constantly and always be looking and have that as part of your, you know, because you know, at some point, this is my model. I'm not going big, like, you know, brothers gutters or whatever, and that's okay. This is my model. But at some point that person will go somewhere else, start their own gutter business even. And yep. probably many people have had, had people do that um, as well. Um, but yeah. make sure you have a plan in place to uh, continue getting people in. So the easiest way in our opinion, to be able to give so much to your employees, 
you, you know, you have to invest in yourself. When you're filling your cup up and you're reading and you're listening to podcasts and you're getting this stuff, it's easy to give when you're getting something. If you're not doing anything and you're a manager or an owner of a company and you're not doing anything to really do that, you're not going to have as much to give to your employees. I'll tell you, most of what's been covered on any of our podcasts is something that we've learned over time. A lot of this stuff wasn't that inherent um, in, in putting this stuff together. And then to end, help your people achieve their vision through yours. Some people might want to, they, they love nonprofits and they might think someday they want to do that. But you know what? You might be able to help them sit on the board of that nonprofit, be one of the contributors to it. And not only can they do their job for you, that they can also be doing what their passion is through you and your company and the effort. So that's where it comes down to those one-to-ones. Find out what makes them tick. If someday they want to own a marketing company or they want to do this or that, the other thing, you never know. You might be able to help them achieve their goal through your vision. And sometimes you got to increase your vision a little bit to help it fit them. Um, and that's, what I believe, why we are where we are. Uh, because we just want to keep increasing our vision to keep up with our people's vision. And uh, that's it. Hope you got some good nuggets today. Thank you for joining us. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you implement at least one or two nuggets from this episode that will give you the confidence to grow. Subscribe to our podcast to stay updated and grow with the bros.